0: Welcome to The Readerly Report. Your hosts are Gail Weiswasser and Nicole Bonilla. We hope you enjoy our candid book conversations, recommendations, and observations on the reading life. Thanks so much for joining us. Okay, so welcome to another edition of The Readerly Report. It's been a while since we checked in. We had uh, an An episode that we wanted to get to. Unfortunately, we've had a bunch of technical difficulties with it. So we're going to forge ahead and see if any of that material can be recovered and uploaded for your listening pleasure at a later time. But today, Gail and I are going to discuss campus novels, which I'm really excited to discuss. I thought it would be good, I don't know, kind of comparison to discuss campus novels just because campuses, you know, college campuses, high schools, elementary schools, everything is in disarray at this point. So maybe go back to a time when the travails of going to school were much simpler than what they are now with the the additional crisis I think attached to attending class or going to a party. Yes, for sure. So I I always feel like I'm really attracted to books with that are set on a campus. It was interesting to kind of research the show because I felt like I didn't come up with as many as I thought I had read. And I wonder if I confuse or if like campus novels and Gothic novels go to the same place in my head. Mm, interesting. Because there were a lot of things I was just like, oh, this is going to be so easy. And I would think about a book and it's like, oh no, but that was really just set in this Gothic manner.
1: <laughs> That's funny. I interpret my the way I, the reason that I like campus novels is that it's such a perfect microcosm. Like it's, there's so much drama that takes place and yet it's a nice contained environment. So you can, for an author, I would think like you can really sort of develop a whole story, but you don't have to go beyond the confines of the campus. It's right. Like, it's a great, um, there's so much sort of hierarchy and insecurity and drama that happens.
0: is just great fodder for a story. I guess, do you think that it can be isolated from social media? Have you seen any novels which Mm. kind of, you know, I think I read Catherine House by Elizabeth Thomas, and I think she plays with this kind of school where you have to give up everything for three years in order to study there. and. Everyone's super committed to it. You can't have any cell phones, no televisions, Mm. no photographs. So that was kind of an interesting bubble that she tries to build around the campus. That sort of
1: underscores or sort of confirms my theory that authors try to do away with social media in their books, either by setting them in an earlier time or finding some other construct where their characters can't have access to phones. Yeah, because, it's some community where, yeah. for the greater good, you have to be isolated and right. That's so interesting. So here it became part of the plot that you had to
0: you had to literally give them up. Right? Yeah. You. There was like one one of the students had snuck in a picture of his grandmother who raised him, and you know you can kind of see as the students become more involved in the school. Sometimes the things that they've smuggled or things that they've tried to hold on to disappear, but they definitely were not allowed to have any access to either telephones, Mm -hmm. TVs, just nothing. You know, it's just like, this is a bubble. I mean, how would you feel if your kids were going to go off? And I think this novel even takes it so far to, they don't go home for breaks. You're just there for three years. No, that sounds awful. As a parent, that sounds awful. Right. Like anything could happen. I mean, so it's stuff like that. I mean, they do to make the point in this novel. I think it has to be said that these are all children who have been neglected in some way or who are running or who have parents who are kind of negligent or so, yes, I guess she took a lot of steps to (laughs) make that bubble.
1: Yeah. Before we delve into the campus novel, should we do a quick catch up on
0: what we're reading, what we've read. Sure. I mean, I I feel like I have very little to contribute to this conversation, but I'm. Well, you read happy, happy to now. hear what you've been up to. You yeah, write- that's true. I think I had talked about that though. Yeah, but that might be in the lost
1: episode. <laughs> okay. Um. Well, I've read a few since we last talked, and I can't remember what we discussed on the lost episode. But um,
0: did I talk about Secondhand by Adam Minter? I don't think so. But then anything on the Lost episode, no one else has heard. So, okay, that's true. I guess we have a little bit of catch up to do.
1: Okay. So I read Secondhand, which I think you and I talked about a while ago, which is nonfiction about the secondhand economy, the recycling economy, and how. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. So, how this is my, my blow dry book. Um, this is all about how secondhand goods, mostly from the US, but not entirely, wind up in other markets around the world and how you know these secondary markets have, have sort of popped up for different things like clothes or cars or electronics and how this kind of complex secondhand market that has things leaving certain countries and going through other countries and landing in other places. I thought it was absolutely fascinating just about the life of the things that we discard and what happens to them. And how you know we live in this very disposable culture now where we buy fast fashion and we buy things that aren't necessarily made to last and how a lot of that stuff ends up in landfills. but when we do take the time and money to invest in things that last longer, how they have this much like extended life beyond our single use. So um, this is called Second Hand by Adam Minter.
0: and this is like a little topic that I'm fascinated with. so I really like that one. Do you think it's going to change any of your consumption? Um, maybe, I mean, I think like it sort of makes you think before you just
1: like plunk down a couple hundred dollars for like Ikea furniture, it makes you think about the fact that that's very like unlikely to wind up being used after you do it. And so, I mean, it's a, It's a luxury to be able to afford longer lasting stuff, but it's also so much better for the earth. So I think that's something that I'll think about when I buy stuff or just like donating things. And it also changes your mind about like, you know, people have this vision that when they donate things, they want it to be used in their community. And that just doesn't happen the vast majority of the time. And you kind of just have to get used to the fact that your stuff may end up across the world and that's fine. Like, both from a, you know, perspective that it costs money to get things where they're going, there's other efficiencies in the market that make it worthwhile for your stuff to end up very far away.
0: Well, I think of it in a lot of terms of just, it's just working at a finance company and listening to the news, you know, everything is about consumer confidence and, you know, just your whole life is predicated on you continually buying stuff, you know? <laughs> um, our whole understanding. I mean, the economy and the stock market are two different things, but there's so much invested in these companies being able to continually get you to buy things, which is kind of like Apple was having an issue when basically most people had an iPhone and they wanted to, you know, they have one come out every year and there these of course incentive programs to get you to trade in your phone and and they were having an issue when people, you know, when the phones when there wasn't much of an upgrade in them and people were holding on for them for three or four years, you know, like that affected their profitability profitability. So there are just so many things that it's just like, you know, you think that you're a person and you hear the news and it's just like, Oh, consumers are feeling this way. And, you know, <laughs> you're yeah. not, you're, you're not a person, you're a consumer. Yeah. i oh, it's absolutely. All about, you know, Oh, with the stimulus coming in, will people feel safe to keep spending their money? And it's just like the fact that people are saving more because of the pandemic is like a bad thing for the economy. Yes, that's
1: true. Our economy is definitely based on people buying. We, they ta- he talks a lot about Apple and how, you know, in order to incentivize people to upgrade, they were intentionally slowing down their batteries and making them less, less uh, to perform worse. And they got in a lot of trouble for that because it was forcing people to buy when they really didn't need a new phone. It's just that Apple was telling their battery to stop working.
0: Right. Yeah. I mean, there's this whole thing that is just kind of fascinating when you think about products. You know, most things were made you know, 10, 50 years back to last the long haul. Like you got something and you had it your entire life, like it lasted for 50 years. And... I can't think of what they call it, but it's like things are engineered to break after a certain amount of uses now, just because they do want you to replace them. And I don't know, I guess the whole thing is you have to look at the things that you buy as an investment. And I think because there is that temptation of, okay, I can just get this for $10. It'll last me a year and I can get something else as opposed to... Like, okay, this shirt is going to cost me $300, but it's going to last, you know, for 20 years if I take good care of it.
1: Yeah. I think we'd like this book. Yeah, it was good. Um, I also read The Knockout Queen by Rufy Thor, which I really, really liked. Um, Did it, that come out this year? Uh, it was either this year or maybe the end of last year. I can't remember. I got it. I think it's this year, actually. I got it from Book of the Month. and. Um, it is, it's also sort of a campus book. I was going to talk about it when we talked about the campus novel, but um, I'll just a little bit, talk a little bit briefly about it now. It's a book about a young gay guy in high school who is living next door to um, a girl in his class, the same age, who is this kind of very tall, athletic, striking girl, but she doesn't fit in and he doesn't fit in to kind of the the conventional norms of high school and they become best friends. And it's a, actually a really dark novel. A lot of like really difficult things happen. It's not, it's, it's very funny in the way she writes and it's very observant, but it's also really dark and, you know, there's issues with homophobia and there's issues, alcoholism and abuse and all of this stuff in there. And it, it I don't think it is a book that is easily characterized but I really, really liked it. I thought the writing was fantastic and I felt very involved with the story. Um, it
0: just, I don't know, it was really good. It's a really unusual book and I thought it was very good. So it's set on a campus.
1: Well, or they're in they high students? school.
0: They're students in high, high school. school. Yeah. Okay.
1: And it follows them through, high, through college and into their early twenties. So I don't, sort of a campus novel and it, it, it's a campus novel in that it deals with high school bullying and, you know, popularity and all of that. So the, the issues are there. I don't know if it's, I would necessarily call it a campus novel, but it certainly came to mind when I was making my list, but I really liked it. This is by Rufy Thorpe and she wrote a book that I have not yet read, but I want to called the girls from Corona Del Mar, which
0: I have in the house. Oh yeah. And,
1: <laughs> I've heard of that. Yeah. She's really good. So I like the I like the knockout queen a lot.
0: That's really interesting that you say it goes to high school and it covers college because I was just reading, someone was writing about Normal People. I think it was on their list of, I don't know, campus novels. And they make the comment that there are so few novels that go from high school to college. Mm -hmm. And then you you mentioned one that (laughs) goes from high school and follows them to college. And I feel like I'm in the middle of reading something like that too. Yeah. That's fine. Normal People is also on my list.
1: Um. Okay. Then I read a book called Smacked by Eileen Zimmerman, a memoir about the author's ex-husband who dies of a drug overdose. And so he, it's about white collar drug addiction. He's a partner in a prestigious law firm in California, and he is addicted to heroin and prescription painkillers. And, um, it's about, you know, she discovers him dead in his house in the opening of the book. So it's not a spoiler. it's about how he hid this addiction from his whole family and how it started and why it started and kind of the challenges of the pressures of being a white collar worker, like a lawyer or banker and how this idea of, um, you know, turning to drugs has become a lot more common than people realize. Um, I thought this was a great book. I did it on audio. It was narrated by the author and it was just, Meticulously written. She's a reporter, so it's very detailed. And I thought it was really good.
0: Did that come out this year?
1: Yep. That's it, did come out. I think it, yeah, I'm pretty sure it came out this year. So that was Smacked, hmm, smacked. by
0: Eileen, Zimmer, Eileen Zimmerman. You were in the, you, I remember you were listening to Transcendent Kingdom. Yes. Had you finished that? Had you talked about that? I don't remember. I think I did. I, you did, like, I think you were months, liking you know.
1: it. Yes. I like Transcendent Kingdom a bit. I mean, a lot. I did that on audio. Um, I didn't like it as much as Homegoing, I don't think, but it is a very different book. Um, it was much smaller in scope. Um, it, Transcendent Kingdom really covers also a lot of different topics, also covers addiction and racism and depression. And, um, yeah, I think I talked about it on the show. It's about, young Ghanaian woman named Gifty who's living in the States with her parents and her brother and her brother becomes addicted to drugs after a baseball, I mean, i sorry, basketball accident in high school. And her father returns to Ghana and leaves her family. So she's basically left alone with her mother, who's severely depressed after all this loss that she's suffered. And it's about the gifty grows up very religious and she grows up in this church where, you know, everything is about faith. And then when she goes to college, she becomes a scientist. And so her, this kind of this inherent tension in her life between faith and science and which one does she turn to, which one does she believe and how do they impact her life? I thought it was really well done. There's a lot of heavy issues here, but it's not like a heavy book. It felt like it, she kind of touches on all these things and incorporates them all in, but it's not totally bogged down by it, all the the heaviness.
0: But I really liked it. That's Transcendent Kingdom by Yaa Jesse. That's interesting that you liked Homegoing a little bit more, just because I remember you talking about, and I know a lot of people feel that Homegoing, well, you had to really commit to the storyline just because it changed so much um, as it passed, I guess, from one generation to the next, and different members of the generations of the families. Right. Yeah, they're very different. I think Homegoing is a more difficult book to read
1: just mentally, but I think in the end, it had a little bit more impact on me. But they're both really good. I recommend them both. So now you're complete as for ya, Jesse. I guess I am. <laughs> yeah, I'm <laughs> two for two. You have to take those two book wins when you can. Yeah. Let's see, I also just finished a book for my book club called The Shame by McKenna Goodman. Oh, that's on my list. How was that? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. (laughs) Um, It's a really short book. It's about a woman living in Vermont. She's got two kids and she's a stay at home mom. And And she runs away, right? Yeah, she kind of gets in her car and starts driving. And she's become obsessed with this woman on Instagram. And she kind of decides she's going to like find her. The woman lives in the city. I guess she used to live in the city and then she moved to Vermont. And so she drives back to Manhattan to kind of find this woman. This book is written very much in the style of Jenny Awful, like Department of Speculation. As you know, I really loved that book. And this book is very similar to me in tone, but I didn't think it was as successful. Like it would just, it meandered so much. And there were lots of cool observations and quirky things and, you know, times when I was like, yeah, I I totally understand that. I relate to that, but it was, it has like no, very little plot. And if I found it, I found it so easy to put it down. And if it weren't for the fact that I was reading it for book club, I'm not sure I would have picked it up again. Mm. And there's this kind of fundamental like question I have about this character, this woman that she's met on Instagram or that she follows on Instagram. And I don't want to spoil anything. So I won't, if you read it, we will talk about it and I can ask you what I think. Otherwise, I'm going to save this for book club. But I, there's there's some sort of vagueness to this book that I'm like, it was hard to kind of put my finger on it. So I'm not so sure. I'm, this would
0: be, this is like a three star for me. Yeah. So I don't know. I'll probably, I think I may have it already. So I will probably read it just out of curiosity. Yeah. You'll read this um, in like two hours. Not these days, maybe four. Maybe four.
1: But I'm also listening to a book that you might like called Saving Ruby King by Catherine Abelwell.
0: Oh yeah. I had started reading that, but I think something that I had to finish for book club came in and I meant to get back to it. Yeah. You're listening on audio. How is it? I'm listening on
1: audio. I'm about halfway done. Um, It's good. The audio is pretty good. There's four narrators. Maybe five narrators. Uh, There's two male characters, two female characters, and then there's actually a church that is a character in the book. So there's five different narrators. I think, some of the narrators are stronger than the others, but the book itself is really good. It's about these kind of these two families in um, on, living on the South side of Chicago and there's a, a murder early on and we're kind of learning how these two families are, are intertwined. The, the daughters, there's daughters of are kind of the, the newest generation who are best friends and then their fathers have a very complicated relationship that goes back several generations and um, it's really good it's really good. I think it's a debut novel, which is pretty impressive. And uh, I, I'm liking it. So I'll report back when, when I finish it on
0: our next show. So you seem like you are pretty well on your way to accomplishing your 60 books this year. Yes. I'm at, I think I'm at 51. So I should be, I should be pretty good. Nice. Yeah. So yeah. looking back, I surprised myself and I read Pretty Things by Janelle Brown. While well, I didn't read it, I listened to it on audio. Okay. Uh, I really like this. It was about this woman. Well, it's about two women. One is basically a grifter and con artist who's been running con jobs on wealthy men in order to support her mom, who is has uh, who has cancer, which keeps recurring. And so she keeps going back and pulling these last jobs in order to get enough money to pay for her mom's treatment. And she goes to this house with her boyfriend to run a con on the daughter of a family that she knew growing up in, I want to say it was on Lake Placid or something, uh, some small lake town. And this woman has recently separated from her fiance and she's just gone back to the house that she grew up in as a child to find herself. And she's an Instagram influencer who is, you know, re reevaluating her life and kind of questioning the shallowness of her life. So there's lots of comparisons, you know, with Instagram influencers just kind of being a little bit similar in I guess running a con in terms of, the, you know, the products that they're selling, whether they really use them, how how much of our lives is manufactured for social media. But it is about, you know, how their relationships change over the course of the time that they spend. I think she is renting out part of her house or part of the guest house in order to make some money and also because she's lonely. And so they have a past, which one is not aware of. So you get to see how it unfolds, what went on in the past that would bring her, the grifter who, I think her name is Nina, to the point where she would want to run a con on this woman and how it's all going to turn out. Now, I had read another book by Janelle Brown, or I think I DNF'd another book by Janelle Brown called "Watch Me Disappear," which I felt like she got so bogged down in the details that I couldn't, I couldn't really get with it. I was a little bored with it. I'm not sure if this is different just because it was, um, it was multiple narrators, and it was just a lot easier to get involved in that world. With the narrators, I think it helped it being on audio. It was one of those books that I kind of looked at in the store in terms of buying it, and just when I picked it up and looked through it, couldn't bring myself to buy it. But on audio, it really worked. So I like that. Have you read any Janelle Brown? No, she's one of those authors I keep sort of
1: seeing around, but I've never actually read anything by her.
0: Right. Yeah, I, it's one of those books that I really enjoyed, and I wonder if I would have liked it, I feel like I might not have liked it as much if I had. So I do have a little update for you. Remember we were talking about an author and I could not remember her name at the time who I said was very similar to, I feel like, Sue Miller. Right, and we were wondering if it was Anita Shreve. And it wasn't Anita Shreve. I knew it wasn't Anita Shreve and I had described the book that she wrote. So the book is All Things Cease to Appear and the author is Elizabeth Brundage. Oh, I think I read that book. Right. Um, Yeah, and she writes, I feel like she writes in the vein of Sue Miller, like these domestic, domestic thrillers sometimes. I think she has one that is about, I don't know. I think one deals with the government you know there's always these kind of who done it domestic crimes one is the doctor's wife which i don't remember if i read mm-hmm. uh she also wrote somebody else's daughter so that's turns
1: out the one i read i read somebody else's daughter but not all things cease to appear
0: yeah all things cease to appear i feel like it was really good slow moving domestic thriller type story where this man is living in this house and i think his wife has gone missing or either she's been murdered and I don't know. I can't recall the details distinctly, but it was some kind of murder mystery that I feel like by the end had just, had just gotten really wild. (laughs) Okay. So it was one of those books that you really like it. And you know, I was really into it. And then the, the last quarter of it just went really fast and spun out of control.
1: This one, uh, I'm just looking at my review now of somebody else's daughter. I, I, said it was a thriller. I thought it was more of a domestic family drama, but it turns out it was a thriller. And this is what I wrote. It's one of the more implausible, cliched, and unconvincing books I've read in a while. (laughs) (laughs) I guess I did not like it. I thought the relationships were unrealistic, too many coincidences, implausible plots, and loose ends that were never tied up. Oh, and then I said, and worst of all, there was cruelty against dogs, which I cannot stand. (laughs) I don't remember the quote yeah, against the dog, but...
0: But I think that's accurate. I think her books kind of masquerade as these more domestic suspense or, you know, kind of literary thriller family novels. But then the, by the end, they're just like, just what happened? Yeah. All right, <laughs> well... Everything happened in the last quarter, so... It appears I did not like it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I don't remember it very well.
1: But I was so happy to remember that. Yes. That's always satisfying when you're trying to get your name, get your hands on a, a book and you can't think of it.
0: So have you told us what you're reading now?
1: Well, I just finished The Shame. So I haven't decided. I think I'm going to read uh, Leave the World Behind next, the the new Roman Alam book. It
0: just came. Oh, I just Mar- got
1: that. Yeah, it was my book of the month. So I'm going <clears> to, <throat> I think I'm going to read that one next. <clears throat>
0: So my book club is reading Pure and Easy by Susanna Clark. And oh. I guess this is her follow-up to Jonathan Strange and Mr. Norell. Yep. Uh, uh, I don't know. I feel like I'm not going to like it. How come? I don't know. There's like Pan is on the front of it playing <laughs> playing a lute or something. It's, um There's something called the other. I think that I may not be in the mood for sci-fi. Yeah, there's a labyrinth in the halls. There's a lab within the labyrinth of halls. An ocean is imprisoned. Waves thunder up staircases. Rooms are flooded in an instant. Yeah, I just don't know. That sounds.
1: Yeah, that sounds tough. (laughs) I I could read that.
0: I have seen that book around, Um, yeah. Yeah, I think, you know, I don't know. I think every, maybe October and in February, we lose our minds and do a themed book. So this is kind of, I don't know, maybe a tie-in for Halloween or something out of the ordinary. And I had said, I don't know, guys, because her last book was 500 pages or something. What was your last one? one, No, her last one. Her last one. Which I did. Yeah, which I didn't read. Jonathan Strange and Mr. Norell is like a doorstopper, but I went along with it because this one's only two hundred and forty-five pages. But I feel like it might as well be five hundred pages.
1: Yeah, if you're not liking but we'll it, see. when you're not like when you don't love a book, it doesn't it, it doesn't matter
0: how short it is. It feels very long. And it was one of those that I read the first page and just it just seems like it's going to be a chore. But we'll see. So maybe I'll. I may come back and say that I really love it. Okay. But that's what I'm reading for my book club. And yes, I'm very excited to, lead, to read, leave the world behind.
1: Yeah. I I've read mixed reviews, but most of them are really positive.
0: Right. Yeah, I think this is his breakout book. This is the one that they're making a series out of it. And I see that he's making the rounds. I think it was shortlisted for one of the prizes. I can't remember which one, if it was... I think you're right, National Book uh, Award maybe? Yeah, maybe.
1: Yeah. All right. Well, should we get into our campus books?
0: We should. Um, good. Why don't you go first? Okay. So my first book, and I have to, this is so sad that I have to remind myself of the name because it's the one that I wanted you to read and you did not read. And it is a campus novel. Is it a thriller? Uh, I think that it, w- it was a little bit fantastical. It, it There was magic involved. I will just go on to the next book. I'll come back to that. So you're going to say normal people. So this one gets really mixed reviews. I loved it when I read it probably, I don't know, in in high school or freshman year of college. Sometimes I wonder if I would like it now, but it's The Secret History by Donna Tartt. And it is like the quintessential campus novel. I think it's based on a school that she went into, Vermont. I think it's Bennington, where she attended. With uh, who's the dude that wrote Less Than Zero? Jay McInerney. Oh, Brett. Brett. Um, Brett. Yes, I think. But I think they yeah. both went to school. So she was in a class with all of these people who I guess shaped a lot of the pop culture and the movies. Of the eighties, Brett Easton, Easton Ellis, and with yeah, Easton Ellis, and um, and yeah, Jay Mac- Mcinnerney I think, attended there, and just other notables that whether they were in the music scene or whatever set the culture. So she wrote this book about this exclusive group of classic students who become involved in a murderer. Like they're very with a murder. They're very close to their teacher. You know, they have these weird rituals, and it's just like such a such a, well, besides the murder of the student, is such a campus, like has all those campus novel tropes, you know, snobby students, rich students, uh, getting up to mayhem, performing rituals that probably the average person would not be interested in. So I feel like um, you haven't read The Secret History.
1: I haven't, and I've had this book forever. I've actually never read anything by Donna Tartt. Never read The Goldfinch. I never read The Secret History, but I've always wanted to read this one. Did you try to read The Goldfinch? No,
0: I didn't. (laughs) I tried. I think I made it maybe a hundred pages and people say it picked up and got better, but it just was not my cup of tea. Yeah.
1: I mean, I know people love it, but I just, it seems it's so long and I don't know, it didn't, (laughs) didn't
0: appeal to me. Well, The Secret History, I read way before I would have judged a book by its length. I think I was probably in one of those moods where I welcome the length, you know, like cozying up to a good book and not wanting it to end. And now I look at something that's over 400 pages. I'm so wary. But yeah, so that's my first one.
1: Yeah, that seems like a good quintessential pick. Um, My first one is also a quintessential um, high school pick, and it's Prep by Chris Bittenfield. Yep. Um, that's the first thing I think of when I think of a campus novel, it's about a girl who goes to a boarding school. She's from Ohio and she doesn't fit in cause it's all these super preppy kids. And, um, she, you know, has to kind of figure out who she is and how does she join this world. And, uh, she kind of develops this huge crush on this guy and I think his name was Cross Sugarman. It's one of those names that has stuck with me ever since I read it. And, um, you know, the whole kind of the friendships she makes with other kids and her complicated relationships with her teachers. And then this obsession with this boy who she does eventually I end up, I think end up hooking up with, but it's never, he's never quite the boyfriend she wants him to be. Um, this was my first Curtis Sittenfeld and Feldman. I absolutely loved it. And I, I've keep wanting to reread it. I think I was trying to get one of my daughters to read it this summer and that never happened. But I, at some point would love to reread this book or maybe do it on audio. I got the audio somehow on my phone. So I keep thinking I'll try to slot it in sometime. But for me, this is
0: like quintessential campus book. You talk about it so highly, you speak of it so fondly that I would be curious to see what your thoughts are, you know, to read it. I guess, how many years has, has it, been since it's been published? 10? Uh, boy,
1: I don't remember when it came out. Long, oh, no, more than that, I think. Probably closer to 20 at this point. Let's see. I'll look it up.
0: Yeah. So it'd be interesting. I mean, because you love this book and I think you love the memory of it. I just wonder if it would stand up.
1: Yeah. Uh, maybe that's the reason I'm, I'm not reading it because I'm worried it might not. And I like to have it sort of remain be your go-to yeah unsullied in my mind here I'm just trying to see when it when it came out 2005 15 years I mean did you read that book before you had kids uh well no because my daughters were born in 2004 so I must have been after okay interesting yeah
0: okay what's your next one So my next one is The Likeness by Tana French. I probably talked about this book several times on this podcast anytime Tana French comes up because it is my favorite of her Dublin murder mysteries. I think it's my favorite of all her books that she read, that she's written, that I've read. I have to say, I like this book the best. I mean, the entry book was In the Woods, which I felt like was the ambiguous ending might've ended it for a lot of people. But this one is about a woman who goes undercover. She is a dead ringer for a young woman who's murdered on a college campus. So she has to infiltrate their group of friends to kind of figure out what has happened to her, because I guess no one knows that she, no one realizes that she's dead. So she's trying to get into her group of friends to figure out like what was going on in her life and whether she did it or not. Now, all of her her novels are kind of complex like so as Cassie who's the main character is dealing with going undercover, she's also dealing with the fallout from the case in the previous book where she had, you know, kind of become involved with someone heavily and it has echoes through throughout the book. But, you know, besides it being a murder mystery, it also is one of those college books with the, I think the camaraderie, the different problems that you have as an undergraduate and, you know, just the everyday life of going to classes or whatever. Have you, by the way, picked up her her new book? Yes. I know I'm spoiled for choice because I do have the new book and I, and I'm anxious to get to that as well. So her and Rumam are kind of
1: competing.
0: I feel like I'm, you know, hers is by the bedside (laughs) and I've taken the cover off. And so I don't know, this has been a week. So probably after we are done with the podcast, I'm probably going to curl up and do some reading. Oh, good.
1: All right. So my next one gets us into Campus Scandals. And (laughs) I have two Campus Scandal books. The first one is Notes on a Scandal, although Notes on a Scandal is the name of the movie the book is called, um, what was she thinking by Zoe Heller? So it's, what was she thinking is the, is the book. And then they made it into notes on a scandal. And this is a book about a young teacher who, uh, an older teacher at her, the same school becomes obsessed with. And she starts to kind of follow her. And it turns out that the younger teacher is having an affair with one of her students, a 15 year old student. And the book is narrated from the perspective of this older teacher who is kind of bent on destroying the, you know, making public what's going on with this teacher and her student, and then kind of destroying her life. But it's, um, it's a really fascinating book and there's kind of an unreliable narrator element to it. And, um, I thought the movie was really good. Did you, you read this one, didn't you? Yes, I did. Yeah. I really liked it. Yeah. And I thought the movie was, was just as good as the book. And uh, it's got Kate Blanchett and Judy Dench in it, which probably helped. And, uh, this is just a good, <laughs> good, this, you have got that kind of tight knit world. I think it's a private school, um, and I think it takes place in London, but you've got this tight-knit world of a school and then, you know, the microcosm and the, you know, how hard it is to keep something secret and these very strong personalities. So I, I like that one quite a bit.
0: So can I guess one of your scandal novels? Because I know you really like this one. And I always uh, sure. joke with you about... about uh <laughs> You liking these scandalous novels? Was any one of them? Was it Tampa that had the weird cover? Yes, that's my next pick. Very well, very uh-huh. well done.
1: Yes, <laughs> yes. Uh, you want me to cover it now? Since yeah. you raised yeah, it, yeah, go on. Um, Tampa. Yes, it does. It's funny. I I think I read the arc, which had a different cover than the um, much more. You didn't suggested. get the felt. <laughs> uh, the buttonhole
0: is that the one you mean? Oh, yeah. yeah. Maybe it was the second one that had a felt cover. Her covers are kind of scandalous. Yeah. This is a super scandalous book. So and this is another scandal one. This is about a
1: teacher. She's a 26-year-old middle school teacher in Tampa who is like a sociopath who preys on middle school boys and becomes completely obsessed with them and seduces them. So it's all about this teacher. She's married, but she's having an affair with a um, eighth grade boy. And it's, you, you you basically know she's going to get caught and it's, you know, you kind of, it just becomes this question of how is she going to get caught and then what's going to happen. And it's extremely raunchy. It's very graphic. It's also very funny. Um, it's, uh, not for everybody. So if you don't like graphic sex descriptions, stay away from this one. But it's really, really funny, and it's Alyssa Nutting is the name of the author, and she has an, a second book out that I have not yet read, possibly even a third. I, this remains the only one I've read by her, but it was it really is very memorable. You you never read this one, right? No, it's it, they, it's called a scorching literary debut, and yes, it is completely scorching. This book is I've it's I've not really read anything like it before
0: or since. <laughs> but it is a campus novel. Okay, so there are a few that I'm just going to mention in passing just because maybe we read them and didn't love them or maybe we read them and we discussed them to death. But I would say Three Women definitely there is a an element of that because of one of the main characters Maggie is in high school and dealing with, you know, the fallout of her relationship with her professor and her relationships with her friends. So That's a third of the, of the, not what memoir or like biography, like reporting on the lives of these three women by Lisa Sadeo. And then there was Trust Exercise by Susan Choi, which Gail and I read and discussed on the show and, you know, liked it to varying degrees or, I mean, I don't think it was, it was like our favorite, but it was definitely set. Um, In high school, it follows the relationship of two students who have a very short romance and I guess the repercussions of, of, of their very short romance, like because it's so influenced by their teachers and their peers and how it affects their lives in surprising ways. So there's that one. I would think that on the lines of what you said with Tampa, I would have Indecent by Corinne Sullivan. She is, um, it's about a young woman who has just graduated from college and she takes a job at a boarding school and becomes involved with one of the students. And so there, yes, there, I mean, it's like feet. Yeah, I guess female to male same thing. Not middle school, this is high school, so I guess with a more sophisticated victim or because she becomes involved. And it's a lot about you know, at that age you can be so close, you know, she's 22 when she starts this job. So it's a lot about her own I guess vulnerability and insecurity that's coming from her high school days as she tries to, I guess, teach these students who she's not much older than. Hmm. And just that component there, you know, like kind of like the cool boy. And I think she still kind of feels like she's the awkward girl. Um, But yeah, it's a pretty crazy novel. That sounds really good. (laughs) I'd be curious to see how it compared to Tampa for you. Okay. Is it as graphic uh, as Tampa? Well, I don't know how graphic Tampa was, but you know there are definitely scenes where she's hooking up. She has it gets a little bit into her psychology and maybe why I, I don't know. It's hard to describe. Okay, <laughs> I think it's one that you love or hate, but I thought it was just really interesting. Yeah, that sounds good. I'll also briefly mention in the Dream House by Carmen Maria Machado. It takes place in graduate school in Iowa. Yeah, and lots of it is is you know, written about the relationship as she's going back and forth. I think between a neighboring state, she's having a relationship with someone who is also in her program. So it's kind of like, not only is she an abusive relationship, but I feel like her partner views her as sort of a rival. So she's got all of these interesting takes and perspectives on her relationship that, you know, the many, the many definitions of abuse, um, And she does a lot of like analysis uh, of either literary sources or movie sources. And it was really good. That's an excellent book. I didn't even think about that as far as campus
1: novels, but you're absolutely right.
0: Yeah, it kind of flirts with it a little. It's not like it's front and center, but you do see her go back and forth. You do see her attend some, you know, like meetings and mixers and
1: Mm and.
0: Yeah, there's some references to how her classmates view their relationship. Yeah, absolutely.
1: Um, A couple of ones I'll briefly mention because we have talked about them before. Um, The Knockout Queen, which I just mentioned earlier in the show, which I have just read, is definitely a campus novel. It it really focuses much more on the high school years. The college years are dealt with much more quickly, but um, that's absolutely a campus book. And again, I really like that one. And then normal people, oh my God, normal people. I mean, that's just like such a campus novel. That's about um, a boy and girl who meet in high school, and they get involved in high school, and then they end up in college together too, in, in a Trinity in Dublin. And it's really basically all about their high school and college years and the ins and outs of their relationship. And it's one of my favorite books this year. And I highly recommend the Hulu series based on it too. But I think it does a great job of capturing like the isolation of college, you know, that, that sometimes you feel very lonely and you don't always feel like you, that you fit in and kind of also the differences between like, what is popularity in high school versus college and how different it is, what people care about. So Um, I think I read that same article you did about how unusual it is to find a book that tracks high
0: school and college. So that one definitely fits the bill. Not so hard. Yeah. Not as hard as one might think.
1: Um,
0: And then the next one
1: I wanted to talk about was a book, I think it's technically a YA book called The Absolutely True Diary of a Part-Time Indian. by Sherman Alexi. And, um, but this I think can be read by adults as well as young. I mean, it's not, I mean, I don't even know if I'd call it a YA book, but, um, this is about the, uh, it's loosely based on the author's life. Cause I don't, I think it's fiction, but it's about a boy who grows up in on an Indian reservation and he spends the early years of high school attending school on the reservation. And then he ends up going to a different school, uh, after that, I don't. I can't remember if it's public or private, but he goes to a better school that's further away, where he's like the only Native American kid, and it's all about trying to fit in in the new school and the differences between the two schools and how he's kind of straddling both of these worlds, straddling life on the reservation and then life with these much more privileged kids, and trying to kind of maintain his identity in both places and how hard it is. And I know there's issues with Sherman Alexi and he's he got me too at some point and I th- feel like his star has fallen a bit in the literary world, but I just remember being really enjoying this book. I think my kids and I read it for mother daughter book club a couple of years ago. And I thought it was really good.
0: Yeah, it was. I read it. Um, I think post post Sherman Alexie takedown oh, for really? book club. And Interesting. That was one of the things I figured into the conversation. um, you know, another person who I guess is was caught up in the Me Too conversation was Juno Diaz, and mm. uh, I can never think of the order of the the brief wondrous, life. the brief wondrous life of. Hmm, I have to look that up. Yeah, I know what one you mean. Right, it's another one that I well I read. Before the allegations of him came out, but um, I just remember being blown away by that book, The Brief Wondrous Life of Oscar. Wow. Okay. I never um, read that. Yeah. I thought it was so good. It was such a, just the way that he, I guess, weaves Dominican culture throughout the novel um, from Oscar's perspective. So, I mean, I think that we're, going to continue to be troubled by these questions of great work and the humans behind, behind them. Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah, that comes up so much. Uh, Luckily I'm not a big Woody Allen fan or Roman Polanski. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I feel like we could go on for so long. Were there any, I'm going to mark our, our bookish uh, schedule for the readerly report so that we can do a follow-up on this because I could go on and on talking about these campus novels. So I feel like it warrants a second show, Okay, but are there any that you want to get in? Well, the only other one that I had on my list that I wanted to talk about
1: was the others gold by Elizabeth Ames, which we've talked about on the show a couple of times. Um, And that's a book about four friends who meet in college, the roommates in college and it takes them through the college years and then into their young adult lives. They kind of like that too. That co- In that book, college is the launching pad for the story and for the characters. And then it, you get to follow them when they leave college, which I find is always interesting. And this is the book in which I think each of them makes a mistake. Like each of them at some point in their life makes a, a, dec- has, makes a decision that has a big impact on them. And that starts in college and then goes through like young adulthood and being parents. And so you follow each mistake and you get to understand how it impacts them. And that was kind of an interesting construct. And I liked this one and I didn't didn't love it, but I liked it a lot. And I found it a good, compelling read. So when we were talking about college novels, this one immediately came to mind.
0: There was a book that we both read too that was similar. The four friends who knew each other in college. Uh, Who wrote this book? That was Elizabeth Ames. That was Elizabeth Ames. There's another one whose author. Yeah. There was another one. And I remember that you thought she was an older author, but it was not the same author, but she had a similar setup of four friends. Alice
1: Adams. Right. Yeah, that was...
0: Uh, Alice Adams, Elizabeth
1: Ames. Yeah, Invincible Summer by Alice Adams. Right. Yeah. Yes. And they are living in England. And I think two of them are siblings. And you... God, God, there's so many books. I mean, we haven't even talked about um, The Interestings, which I guess is is a... Or a female persuasion. female persuasion. I know. There's so many books that we could do. I think we definitely have to do a follow-up episode.
0: And then there's Yana Lassie, I think about that one, the one about the boarding school, the Yal Yanalasi writing camp. Oh uh, yep. Yep. Yeah. There's So a lot. many. All all the campus novels that Gail and I have read. Like I have a two page list and it's not even exhaustive because as we're sitting and talking, like books are coming to me and I'm writing them down. Well, good. You'll be your prep will be done for the
1: next episode. There's definitely a lot out there. It's just it's such an irresistible place. Oh, you know what else we haven't talked about? Um, we haven't talked about the what's the one about the the virus on the college campus, The Dreamers by Karen Thompson Walker. We haven't even talked about that one. All right. Well, next episode or next time we do this, we'll include some of these other ones that we didn't get to. All right. Well, hopefully we'll be able to resuscitate last week's episode and get that up soon. It's been a a, a huge challenge for Nicole who does our editing. So, um, we apologize to Nicole for what she's had to go through for this one. Um, but we will be back with that and hopefully another new episode in the next week or two, and we can find out which book won out for Nicole's attention. So until next time, happy reading. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of The Readerly Report. You can find all of our shows on iTunes or at thereaderlyreport.com. Please join our Facebook group, Readerly Report Readers, where you can talk to other listeners about their reading life. You can also find Nicole at nicolebonia.com and me, Gail, at everydayiwritethebookblog.com. Finally, we'd love it if you left us a review on iTunes and told your book-loving friends about us. Thanks.